to us from his word this morning. Romans chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in in Cancrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, who I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stockies. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me, too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do uh, Lucius, Jason, and Sosapater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, if I haven't made this point the last few months. This letter, of course the whole Bible, but this letter of Romans is so important for our time and place. It speaks directly 
to so many concerns and so many struggles. Here's, here's what Martin Luther wrote about it, you know, almost, well, 500 years ago, 507 years ago, but it's so true today. He said, this epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and is truly the purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of his soul. Feasting on God's word as your daily bread, as your sustenance, as the thing that you go back to again and again when, when, you, when you forget or when you grow weary or when you're doubting and questioning to come back to the word of God, especially to come back to a beautiful letter like Romans this is the book. This is the book that, that our neighbors, that our city, that our culture desperately needs. <laughs> you know, there's so many fads, and there's so many trends, and there's so many, you know, old, old false ideas that pose as new ideas. I was talking with Pastor Hayes a few months ago. We were, we were studying this book together, and he said, that the time that we're going through right now, you know, the last couple years have been the, the most difficult time since World War II. And maybe that's, maybe that's true. But this is the truth that we need to hear. <laughs> there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. We're free we are free because of what Jesus Christ has done and the timeless truths of this book. You know, even think about, don't just think about the culture, but think about our church. You know, this, this might be the most important year in the history of our church. We're setting a new trajectory for where we're going to go in the, you know, everything we've been through the last couple of years. We could go in a lot of different directions. But where does God want us to go? It's not a mystery. God wants us to love him, to love our neighbor, and to make disciples. It's clear all over the, all over the scripture. And I'm, I'm committed to trusting more and more of my life to him. You know, to surrendering. To walking with him. To making disciples and being his disciples. Doing, you know, just doing the things that he told us to do. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we get to live into that, live into the way of Jesus. This passage, this passage shows us how to live in the way of Jesus with human relationships. It shows us how the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it can make all of our human relationships flourish. You see how many friendships Paul enjoyed, the relationships that he had in that church. So we're going to talk about gospel friendship and growing in grace. Those are the two things that Paul leaves this church with. Gospel friendship and growing in grace. They're the end of his letter. So he, he, makes this, he makes this list of all of these, all of these people. For the first person that he notes is Phoebe, who delivered the letter. So she, you can think of her as like a mail carrier on steroids. 
as she's delivering this precious, precious letter to the church. She's traveling to Rome. She's this successful businesswoman who kind of sponsored this whole thing. But more important than her being a successful businesswoman or having a lot of money, it's that she was generous. She was generous with what she had earned. She was a generous patron of the gospel. And we have this letter because of her in part. It doesn't really matter you know, how much you make or how much you have. It matters what you give away. Whether it's a widow's mite or, or much more. But Phoebe is that, is that carrier who delivered this letter. And then Paul makes a list in verses 3 to 16 of 30 plus people that are very near to his heart. And every time he's saying greet them, the word actually means to embrace one another by wrapping your arms around one another. Now, I know that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. You know, there's some people that aren't, that aren't huggers in the room, so to speak. But Paul wanted, wanted his hug from where he was to be extended to that church that he loved so much. The list that he makes, it might have been actually the entire church. It wasn't a large church. Scholars say at the most it was 50 people. So he's talking about these people and then some of their households. He might have listed, he might have named everyone in the whole church. How did he possibly remember all of these names with all the other churches he planted and with all the ministry he did all over the place. We talked last week about these 2,000-mile journeys like from here to Chicago that he made and all the churches he planted. I think he was able to remember all these names because he prayed for his people. Because he remembered them by name. Because he remembered them in his prayers daily. What a model for myself, for elders, for our elders, for our church, to pray for one another. It's the most important thing we can do to lift up other people, to lift up the marriages and the families, to lift up everyone. And he prays for them. You know, some people say, I've had discussions or arguments with other pastors. Can a pastor be friends with his congregation? You know, it's a unique role, being up here, being a, you know, being a priest, so to speak, a connection point between God and a community. Can a pastor really be friends with his congregation? Well, Paul tells us here that they can be. Paul navigated a lot of the issues and a lot of the complexities that we have to navigate today as congregation and pastor. You know, spiritual authority. He had spiritual authority. He spoke for God. And when he had to put his arm around someone and challenge them to believe the gospel, to walk with Christ, they received that. And yet he was also a friend. They, they didn't put him on a pedestal. But they knew that when he was speaking God's word, that was God's truth to them. And Paul stayed humble. You know, he mentions even the, the complexities around finances. You know, in a couple of chapters ago, he was asking for donations. He was asking to support different ministries. And that can be a, an issue as well. And yet they were able to navigate that. They were able to stay friends 
through the giving and receiving of funds. Did you notice that there was also a lot of women on this list? Male-female friendships. And Paul wasn't married. Paul was single. Do you think that Paul followed the Billy Graham rule? Do you know what the Billy Graham rule is? Billy Graham was very famous for never being alone with a woman. Well, it sounds like Paul didn't really follow that rule. I wonder what Paul thinks of that rule. He, he had friendships. And he had godly relationships. He talks a lot about sisters and brothers in Christ. And he wasn't, that didn't, that didn't prevent him from doing ministry to women. Can a pastor really be friends with his congregation? Well, in this church, the pastor has been friends with the congregation for over 30 years. So I think we've proven that it can be done. Um, the Hayes family did it well. They showed us how to do it. And I hope that we're doing it well, even if it's by grace when we mess up. But we're doing, we're doing life together outside of Sunday. We're building relationships. We're encouraging one another. There's a Christian Reformed church up in Seattle called Emmaus Road. And their, their kind of vision is church beyond Sunday. And I like that. I think we sort of do church beyond Sunday around here also. We've been living that. Um, it's not just this time, but it's building relationships. It's getting involved. It's checking out the, a Bible study on Monday night or, or the, the new soap group on Friday afternoon or coffee break on Monday morning. Serving our community, you know, tutoring after school kids and all the things that we do. When we come here, when we meet in homes, when we do our picnic this summer, all these sorts of things. We're building those friendships. And then, when we have to have those pastoral conversations, when we, when we have to get things off of our chest and remember the truths of the gospel, that foundation is built. That friendship is strong. So, that's what Paul was, was saying. That's what he models for us. He points us to Jesus, the friend of sinners, that we, sung, that we sung about. Paul wasn't afraid to, to bring anyone into the church and anyone who wanted to follow Jesus into community. And then he shares one last warning with them. One last instruction. He looks and, and, and he thinks about what, what thwarts grace? You know, what stands in the way of people growing in grace and understanding the gospel and that the, the cross would get bigger and bigger and bigger throughout your life. False teaching. False teaching. You know, there's other letters that, that Paul wrote that he could be alluding to here, like First and Second Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians. You know, they're all concerned with, do you have to become Jewish before you become Christian? Do you have to follow all those laws? Are there first-class Christians, second-class Christians? That's a false teaching. It's a false teaching that you would have to follow all the rules and regulations to work your way up to Jesus. We know that it's, that it's by grace that we look to Jesus to be delivered from our guilt and our shame and our sin. And we receive his amazing grace that was won for us on the cross. 
and we live out a life of gratitude, sharing the gifts God has given us, serving in a way that he's wired us. And in a couple of weeks, we are going to install the new elders and the new deacons here. And the elders especially are responsible for that on your behalf to make sure that there is no false teaching, that we're not leading anyone astray, but we're preaching and teaching and modeling the word of God. I've made an oath. I've signed it, not in blood, just with black ink, but I've signed it that the elders will oversee my life and my doctrine so that we're teaching the pure gospel of Jesus that's taught in, in books like Romans and in the whole Bible. I watched a little video this week about where would you, where would you take someone that wanted to learn about Reformed theology? There was a little panel, and the pastors, you know, the first pastor said, well, you know, you could take him to Romans chapter 8, you could take him to Ephesians 2, and then the other pastor interrupted him and said, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, Genesis 4... The point being that the gospel that we teach, that the message that we share, it is from Genesis to Revelation. It's the full counsel of God. What an amazing reminder that falsehood doesn't win out in the end. Truth wins out. And that Satan will soon be crushed under our feet. Paul's alluding back to Genesis 3, that promise but it's coming true, and it's coming true soon. We have massive amounts of hope because we know the last page of the story. We know that Jesus wins and that he will restore this world. He's already won the victory over sin and death, and God's grace is working. He never gives up on us. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a saint, you will persevere. And so when we feel like, when we feel like we're on the losing side, when we feel like maybe friends or family are drifting away, or when it feels like the culture has run amok, we look to Jesus. We look to him. He will soon crush Satan under our feet. And it's his grace. His grace is so much deeper than any of our brokenness, than any of our doubts, than any of our failings. God's grace is with us. And the gospel is truly that priceless treasure that's worth more than anything in this world. Professor Professor Dale Bruner, he says this about the message of Romans. I'll just close with this quote. The Jesus Christ story is the truth of truths. Capital T, capital T. The truth of truths. The most personal word of God ever given to the human race. God's Jesus story seeks personal, heartfelt faith Faith that Jesus really is God's very own son and God's most personal word to humanity and that every single person who simply places his or her faith in this person is given a perfectly right relationship with the true God. This is very good news. Very, very good news that all we have to do 
is place our faith in Jesus, to believe in him as God's very own son, and we're given a perfectly right relationship with our Father, with the God who created us all and longs to have a relationship. And as Paul says in verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forever and ever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your spirit, your Holy Spirit that applies this truth to our lives. God, thank you that because of Jesus, we can have friendships, different kinds of friendships, even friendship from pastor to congregation, and certainly as brothers and sisters in Christ across the congregation, that these friendships would cross every kind of barrier, every kind of obstacle, that you can make us truly a family in you so that years and decades from now we could write letters to each other and thank God for one another. Thank you for everything that we learned through our brothers and sisters here. Thank you that Paul models that for us and points us to Jesus. Thank you for his reminder to build our house on the rock to build it on you, Lord, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forgive us when we're adrift. Bring us back to your truth. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.